Irish Media Network. We entertain. Good morning, folks, and welcome to Irish Media Network Sports Update. I'm your host, Joe Caulfield, and on today's show, we're going to be talking all about rugby. So after their very, very convincing win over Ulster in the Pro 14 final last weekend, Leinster are back on the road again this week, and they are facing their old nemesis in Saracens in the Champions Cup quarterfinal this weekend. So we have loads to chat about uh, this week. Joining me this week, the author of Go Johnny Go, RTE uh, sports broadcaster and journalist, Paula Flynn, joins me. How are you? Hi, Paul. How are things? Yeah, super. Thanks a million. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a million for coming on. And look, let's jump straight into it and have a chat about Leinster and their all-conquering dominance over the last couple of weeks. It's been incredibly, um, they've been incredibly impressive and dominant. Will they be able to maintain that level of superiority against Saracens this weekend? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating clash, isn't it? And it's. Um, it's something I suppose that all rugby fans are licking their lips about because, you know, just a few short weeks ago with the, the we're living in the COVID world, you don't really know what sport is going to be on, what wasn't on. So let's say three mm. months ago, you would have been delighted that this clash was going ahead, you know, when we're in the middle of those dark days and lockdown. So it's just mm. been a real kind of rugby festival, hasn't it, of the last few weeks. And, you know, you mentioned Leinster, the all-conquering team of the last few weeks. I mean, they've really been the all-conquering team of more than a year now. And, and that's the big question is, is can anyone get near them? Uh, they've been so impressive since the restart obviously with the, the couple of games against Munster the win over Ulster last weekend and the way they're chopping and changing their team so seamlessly yeah. it, this, it seems there's two teams really now isn't there and a lot of people speculating that Leinster may have the two best teams in, in the Pro 14 but and that's the big but it's, it's, it's a big shift in gear now isn't it and it's, it's, a, it's a big leap up uh, to the Champions Cup and there's just so many unknowns there's no real form guide for this is there um we have obviously been playing games and Leinster are so dominant in the pro 14 but but Saracens are another level up and and can we really read into much of the form guide from there too it, it, it it's very hard to know um they've been going for this game Saracens really for so long I suppose so to have Leinster but really for Saracens that's mm. all they have to play for now they've been smarting all through lockdown obviously after their relegation that we know about and we can talk about all that stuff in a few minutes but I mean I really think um Saracens have been going for Leinster uh Leinster they've had their eye on this for an awful long time so I, I yeah. think it's going to be a, a fascinating clash yeah and as you say they, they they're unbeaten in over a year now but the last team to beat them were Saracens in the Champions Cup semi-final last year and like when you look at I, I suppose the only way to kind of really to anticipate what might happen on Saturday is to see where where Leinster might have vulnerabilities and who do Saracens have to exploit that? And in, in that context, it's really interesting because I was listening to, to I was reading, sorry, Robin McBride was talking about uh, Leinster's lineouts slightly malfunctioning against Ulster last weekend. And you look in the second row, you have Maro Atoje playing for Saracens at the weekend. No better man possibly on the face of the planet to upset and exploit that vulnerability. So... It's hard to know, but like going off previous performances and the level of talent they have, I think Saracens could certainly spoil the party on Saturday. I, I, there's, look, there's no doubt about that. They can, they absolutely can. Um, but at the same time, going back to saying the last time they're beaten, we see now, like, I think roughly we might be speaking about 10 of the 23 man squads that was uh, available to Saracens last time aren't going to play. Uh, this weekend yeah. for, for various reasons. Uh, that's going to have an impact. They clearly have super players, as you said, the Bonapola brothers, Atosia. Uh, they can really disrupt Leinster. They're, they're, they're going to be incredibly strong. Uh, but I think on the whole, you'd, you'd probably have to fancy Leinster at this stage. Just a more 
cohesive unit, uh, the, the form is with them and, and the sort of the freshness of the players uh, and, the, and the, the big difference, I think, really. I think if Owen Farrell was playing, you might have it more as a, a kind of a 50-50 tie, but I, I think that shifts the balance uh, considerably in in Leinster's favour. You mentioned the lineout. You know that that has been the one aspect I think that has been struggling a little bit for Leinster since the restart. Mm-hmm. And, and some some talk today um, that possibly Sean Cronin will be brought back in at Hooker, although we, we won't know that until tomorrow. Um, and like that's that's really the one issue you probably see for for Leinster. And it's clearly something Saracens will target. I think on the whole, Saracens will want it to be a kind of a big battling game with the forwards kind of locking horns and they can be quite a disruptive presence there they have a lot of power mm-hmm. uh, they probably are more powerful than Leinster in, in in those kind of one-on-one battles Leinster uh, w- will probably try to have a more sort of expansive you know they'd like it to be a bit more of a passing game getting wide and kind of trying to create difficulties out there so I, I think a, a fascinating battle just with the players that that Saracens are missing it, it, it will more than likely be a different different game to last year, and I, I think if you if you had to put your neck on the line, you, you'd be favouring Leinster at, at this moment in time, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be I'd be leaning that way myself. You, you mentioned uh, Owen Farrell will be missing uh, tomorrow. He's serving a five match ban for a high tackle, a red card. What what was your take on that? Do you think it was justified the five match ban? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, like it, it's difficult to know. I, I think the the tackle was. <laughs> we could all see it, you know. Uh, it was yeah. one of those ones, and I, I think. You know, they're the rules. I don't think there were too many complaints, really, were there? Um, you know, that's that's. It's just the timing of it for 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 him and for Saracens mm. was so unfortunate. But I think if it was happening outside of that time, if it was kind of in the course of the regular season, and he got a five match ban um, from the Premiership, I don't think there would have been kind of too many complaints. I guess it's just the nature of so little rugby is being played. This is such a big game, uh, and it you know it's such a kind of a crucial suspension at such a crucial time, but. You know, we all we all know how rugby has changed over the last few years, and those those kind of tackles just aren't acceptable anymore. And all the players really know that. And and obviously, in the heat of the moment, you can you you know it can happen to any player, really, accidental yeah, or not. But but I think everyone accepts that for the good of the game, that they're the rules now. Yeah, he has a little bit of form in the book as well. Of there was a couple of challenges in previous matches where he got off uh, having kind of no hand tackles and things like that. So I suppose it was probably coming. And as you say, it's just unfortunate it comes now because. You know, he would have added that that extra element of spice to the back line. We're looking at Leinster's back line then. One thing that I've just found incredibly impressive about Leinster is their pursuit of progression, that they want to be better all the time in every aspect of play. And I really feel that's exemplified of the last couple of matches in. Gary Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw have really developed their, their kicking games. So against Munster in the first match, Ringrose chipped through a lovely little ball uh, for, sorry, yeah, Henshaw chipped it through for Ringrose to finish. And then against Ulster the last day, uh, Ringrose on two occasions really pinned them back with those long kind of long kind of grubber kicks into the corner, which played really well positionally for Leinster. Uh, in terms of game management, do you think Leinster will be able to kind of get in a position of dominance and then just kind of see it out because they're so used to winning high-level matches at this stage? Yeah, it's been an interesting one, hasn't it? And, uh, you know, I, I think specifically we've become so accustomed to Leinster being a ball retention team and, and, and keeping it in hand. And uh, that's the one noticeable difference in their play since since we've come back from the restart is that that kicking, and particularly kicking kind of in the in the 
attacking third, if you want to put it that way, which we yeah. never would have seen Leinster do before, uh, and whether they're just trying to exploit the the space that's there or not, or, or if it's a predefined tactic. I think we would have to assume at this stage it, it's a predefined um, tactic. We saw Frawley mm-hmm. doing it as well. He came in at, at inside centre as well. So um, you wonder, is there just a question mark? They might be trying to sow that little seed of doubt in the Saracens' minds as to this is the way they're going to play, and, and they might revert to, to kind of form. But um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think this is... We can all assume this is clearly designed with with Saracens in mind and with that game uh, on the horizon that, that that they've been kind of trying to put a, a game plan in in place and I, I think with the missing Liam Williams as well they might they might have a little eye on on, on the fact that they're they're in fence they might be a little bit more vulnerable and maybe it's just with a, an eye to exploiting that space as well but it's been it's been an interesting aspect of of the the lockdown and we know Leinster have worked uh, a lot on um, kind of their what how other teams perceive them uh, and what the weaknesses other teams may see might be and this is i think one thing they've they've certainly been working on uh, and it remains to be seen whether they, they they use it to good effect this weekend but I, I i think you can expect to see a little bit more as you mentioned um the individual players too henshaw and ringos particularly kind of been working on that themselves yeah it's such an extra dimension of the play to have three kickers at 10 12 and 13 as opposed to just 10 and focusing on that johnny sexton i mean like he leads he leads leinster into uh the the quarterfinal on Saturday. He's such a talismanic player for Leinster. And he was the focus of, of the book you've just released on the 4th of September, Go Johnny Go. Tell us a little bit about the book and um, and the focus of the book and, and who you would like it to resonate with. Yeah, so Go Johnny Go is, um, it's, published. it's a children's book, really with the story uh, of Johnny Sexton, really from, mm-hmm. you know, his childhood growing up in, uh, you know, he was born in 1985 in, in Dublin and growing up in Rathgar, uh, his kind of first footsteps on the, the rugby field and uh, through schools cup and uh, you know the interesting thing about Johnny he, he kind of showed all the promise he had from early days um, you know kicking a, a winning drop goal in the a schools cup final when he was just 15 years of age uh, and that sort of winning streak has, has, has stayed with him all through uh, so the book is written it's for kind of six to twelve year old boys and girls um, and we've done it in association with Dyslexia Ireland uh, to really encourage young young boys and girls to to read, and one of the key things for youngsters and to encourage them to read is is, is to have a topic that they're interested in. So yeah, uh, we all remember from our own school days, you know, pulling out a book from the library, and it might have been something that you're particularly interested in. And yeah. that struggle. So the idea is really to have have books on the shelf that, that kids are really interested in, and, mm. and who better to have than you know such a hero to to, to so many young sports fans as Johnny Sexton. And one of the, I think the really key things about the, this Johnny story for for all young children um, is that they he, he didn't actually have it all his own way. You know, he, he was obviously a super talented youngster, but there were times in yeah. his career when he, he faced a lot of setbacks. You know, and, and there were times when he even thought about throwing the towel in, and but he kind of overcame that adversity and became the superstar that we know today. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's something that has always struck me about Johnny Sexton that he has, I would imagine, incredible mental toughness and, and resilience, um, which is something that will resonate with everyone because it's not a God-given gift. It's not a talent. It's not being fast. It's not being really strong or agile. It's something that you can develop and work on. And it, it's something that kids can start working on from, from any age. Yeah. And that and that's the, the fantastic message in, in Johnny's story. Now, it, it's an enjoyable read. It's uh you know, yeah. it's kind of it's 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 based on his career. It, it it's factual, but it's kind of fictionalized then as well in terms of being mm-hmm. inside the dressing room, the conversations 
the players would have had with each other and the, the little stories from behind the scenes in, in the camp. But that, I think that's the message that, that shines through really is, you know, he overcame, he, he was clearly born with a lot of natural talents that made him a super sportsman uh, beyond mm-hmm. rugby even. But I think the, the, that's the key thing uh, that even when he was faced with adversity, he, he, he bounced back. So, mm-hmm. you know, he expected to be picked for, for, for the Leinster Academy when he was coming out of school and it didn't happen and back pain mm-hmm. for his club St Mary's when, when a lot of his contemporaries went down to the Leinster Academy but you know rather than pack uh, pack it in he you know he kept going and he fought hard and he made his way into the Leinster Academy eventually and then same likewise getting into the Leinster team he really struggled with uh, Felipe Contepomi in his way in those years and he, he went back for a short while playing for St Mary's which a lot of people forget about uh, before he came to the fore again and then as we all know his struggles with uh, trying to be Rogers at ten short for Ireland yeah. you know so that forms a nice little part of the book too. So I, th- I think that's the key message in the story. I mean, it, look, it's, it's a Roy the Rovers kind of style story. Um, but I think for, for, for youngsters, for anyone who has young children, it, it's a great gift from that point of view because uh, it, it teaches them really the, the, the power to, to keep going and that talent will, you know, is worth a lot. But actually hard work is, is what gets you where you yeah. want to go at the end of the day. Yeah. And it leads me on nicely to our next segment. So we're we're in search of Ireland's greatest sporting legend. And someday Johnny Sexton certainly might make it into this video reel, but he isn't just yet. I'd love to hear your opinion on who you feel is Ireland's greatest sporting legend. We're going to roll a clip first so you can decide then. The heat by O'Driscoll. Oh, brilliant by O'Driscoll. It's what's Keane. Roy Keane with a captain's goal. And up the move, Rocket. Rocket from Sheffield. You know the storylines and the stakes for him. A win not just means the Masters, but it means the Grand Slam. And that's beautiful. And Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title. Block up to Dublin's captain, Stephen Truxton. The rising pride of Ireland, So look at it, it's it, it's so difficult. I've watched that clip about fifteen times, and I, like I struggle with it every time. Uh, we have about forty seconds for you to tell us who and why. Okay, I mean you've got a huge cases for everyone. I've great memories of Sonia. Um, you know, I suppose at the age profile we're at uh, as a, as a dub, Stephen Cluxton will always be there. But for me, and this was a little bit personal. I'd have to say Katie Taylor. Uh, from my work, I follow Katie an awful lot. I was in the Caribbean in in, in Trinidad when she won the world title in twenty ten. I was in China in uh, in May twenty twelve when. She- Sorry, I, I just lost your sound there. Sorry, just lost your sound. Could you go back just from Trinidad and go again? Yeah, so I was in uh, Trinidad in 2010 when she won the world title. I was in China 2012 in May when she qualified for the Olympics at the World Championship. I was in London uh, when she won that gold medal and, and what a famous night. I mean, uh, that for me remains the, the, the best sporting occasion I've ever been at. Uh, so I think for, for all those reasons, not just because of what she's done as a sports person, but you know, out of the ring as well. Uh, you know, there's so many people who say boxing, women's boxing would never have been an Olympic sport without Katie Taylor. So I think yeah. for being a, a trailblazer in the ring and outside of the ring as well, in her own kind of understated way, I, I, on the spot, I'd have to say Katie Taylor, yeah. That's fantastic. Look, at, I, I'm sure you'll be joined by many other people who in selecting Casey Taylor. We'll have to leave it at that. Thanks a million for joining us today on the Sports Update. Uh, and good luck with the book, Go Johnny Go. I'm sure it'll be uh, a favour for many young readers. Super Irish thanks. Media Network.